CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst for Protagno alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting and 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting, Steve Wilfong. And if you're wondering why Steve Wilfong is in here, it's a big weekend of commitments. Since Saturday morning, 61 commitments, including 42 Power five commitments. Who better to break it down than the, the director of scouting and the director of recruiting as well? Steve, I know you've been busy really up to even us recording this show, but I got to ask, how's your mental health? How are you doing? How's the family? How you been, buddy? I'm just maintaining over here. Coop. <laughs> how many hours did you, how many hours did you sleep on Sunday night? I didn't get very much sleep last night, but that's that's look, that's June. We got two more weeks to the dead period. Who's counting? Uh, but there's a lot of good news and good stories out there to tell. It was an exciting day on the 24/7 Sports Network for all kinds of websites and the you know the national recruiting team uh, as a whole. I thought did a fantastic job covering it from coast to coast. I think we got a 60% off special going right now. Have you guys seen that tweet? People need to take advantage. Are you, are you reading your email here? Like, what? You got some talking points. Our, I see it on our Twitter page. So I think people need to take advantage because there was a lot of great VIP content from the weekend from the recruiting team and great analysis from you guys on what these commitments mean for, for these programs. We need to get better at plugging the show. We can always take a cue from Steve Wolfong there. But, Steve, let's let's jump right into it. I want to start with Ohio State, who right now is ranked inside the top five at number four in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. But a big weekend for Ohio State and a couple crystal ball forecasts as well as Marquise Lightfoot, the number eight edge, according to 24-7 sports. And Edric Houston, the five-star out of Buford High School in Georgia, the number five defensive lineman in the country. That would be a big get for Larry Johnson and co. Handful of visitors as well, but let's start with those crystal ball picks for the Buckeyes. Okay, so I made three of them over the weekend. One of them was for a prospect that wasn't there, Edric Houston, five-star defensive lineman. He was at Georgia. He's already taken officials to USC and Clemson. The intel behind the scenes says that everybody was kind of chasing Ohio State. Uh, I think the Buckeyes are still the one to beat going into his official visit to Columbus this coming weekend. So I uh, like where Ohio State stands. Obviously, some other contenders in there for Edric Houston as well, Alabama, um, uh, who's getting an official visit the weekend of June 23rd. But like where the Buckeyes stand with Larry Johnson leading the charge, Ohio State was kind of a dream school for him going into his process. And then you know, uh, this weekend, Ohio State, they hosted several top targets, Marquise Lightfoot out of Chicago, Kenwood Academy, Jalen McClain 
uh, out of uh, Orange, New Jersey, Seton Hall Prep. Those are the two new crystal ball forecasts. Uh, Lightfoot told me it was a great visit. Coach Day, Coach Larry Johnson been doing a great job recruiting me, and this weekend was a real eye-opener. Everything from the academics to the history was on point. The highlights were the one-on-one time with the strength coach and Coach Larry Johnson. And, uh, you know, talking to people that spent time with Lightfoot behind the scenes, it sounds like Ohio State has grabbed some momentum in this recruitment. But you guys both know as well as anybody, don't sleep on Miami. They're still on the short list here. So just because I think Ohio State may lead as I talk to you guys at 1239 p.m. on Monday, Miami's still in the mix, could maybe flip that script. But definitely like uh, Ohio State's position right now. And then uh, Jalen McCoy. Jalen McLean also likes USC and Notre Dame, but Ohio State in complete control there. Love talking football with Perry Eliano, the the safeties coach. Had a great visit hanging around uh, with the guys on the team. Got to ask them questions, build relationships. He loves the standard at Ohio State. So I think ultimately he'll be one of the next in the fold. And then a crystal ball that was already logged uh, coming into the weekend that I still feel good about coming out is top 247 receiver Jeremiah McClellan from St. Louis. He's already taken an official to LSU. Uh, Oregon's certainly in there, but no, uh, you know, sounds like uh, Ohio State's still in fantastic position for him. And maybe they ultimately land Jaden Jackson out of IMG Academy, guys. Uh, he had an amazing visit. He told me it was an 11 out of 10. And then he talked to Bill Kierlich like 20 minutes later, and it was like a 20 out of 10. So the visit just got better as it resonated uh, for him. Um, and, and then Darian Mayo is an interesting recruit, uh, six foot seven, 290 pounds from good counsel, had a great visit to Clemson last weekend. Good visit to Ohio state this weekend. There's some Michigan buzz there. So interesting to see how that one will ultimately settle. So when I look at this and I combine it with your two new crystal ball forecasts for the defensive lineman, it seems like Larry Johnson, uh, the Buckeyes D line coach, uh, he's gearing up to put together a special group, right? Right now, Ohio State does not have any uh, defensive linemen committed. And, you know, those two, Lightfoot, Edric Houston, I mean, those are the highly ranked guys. But you mentioned Darian Mayo. When I was at the Under Armour camp in Baltimore, I mean, he is, you want to talk about an eye catcher? It was kind of, he walked in and was like, who is this basketball player that that's trying to play football? And then Jaden Jackson, we've discussed him on this podcast. I mean, he was excellent in that spring scrimmage for IMG Academy. I just look at this four group of defenders and I think each one of them does a little bit of something different, right? It's like you're building a, a starting five for a basketball team. And I, I know I always use that, but that's what I would try to do on the defensive line. So we know Ohio State can recruit the defensive line well, but it seems like, all right, now they took the car out of the garage. They're putting it in drive and, you know, by July 4th, they're going to have that defensive line class in place. Yeah, definitely starting to take shape, and they're they're in on they're in on some other guys. Booker Pickett's a pass rusher from from Florida that they're in on. They'll take their swings on guys like Dylan Stewart and, and Justin Scott. They had Dominic McKinley in last weekend. They're in the mix for guys like Aiden Breland as well. Steve, when it when it comes to Ohio State from your purview in recruiting the receiver position, I mean, what's the general feel that you get about these guys coming out of these visits and how hard are they just to compete with at that position nationally? Well, I think obviously the production first and foremost speaks for itself as far as the offense that they, they get to play in on Saturdays, Ryan Day's scheme and Brian Hartline taking it over as Kevin Wilson had a big impact on it before he moved on. It's an offense that puts up a lot of yards and points. It's fun to play in. A lot of people touch the ball. 
the NFL draft. Um, you know, Ohio State typically has guys at the top of the board. Then the success that these guys have in the NFL, uh, all that stands out. And then in addition to all of it, you have Brian Hartline recruiting the position, and he could just be a closer if he wanted to be and probably would still have a lot of success if he just came in and said, hey, this is what it is, take it or leave it. But he goes to the next level and and loves recruiting for his alma mater, loves building relationships with these kids and their family. And so when schools are coming after Jeremiah Smith, they don't have the foundation that Brian Hartline has with Jeremiah Smith, the trust uh, that he has with these guys that he recruits because he really gets to know them and their families and, and, and cares about them and wants them to do well and wants his alma mater to do well. And so uh, they got everything going there at that position. And I'm just excited to see what that looks like for Jason Taylor at Miami, because I think he's got the same kind of upside as a, as a recruiter down there at Miami. But Brian Hartline right now has the track record of player development to go along with his NFL resume, player resume and, and coaching resume right now. Well, you read our mind a little bit talking about Miami and Jason Taylor. Let's let's jump into Miami. The Hurricanes, they land a commitment this weekend from Cameron Pruitt, number 25 safety in the country on Saturday. Now Miami up to number 25 in the rankings. I mentioned it last week when we went through the ACC grades at Miami. It seems like they're just starting to get going. Over 40 official visits in the month of June. Steve, some of the other visitors on campus included Ellis Robinson, the number one cornerback in the country, Aiden Brulian, the number two defensive lineman, Jared Gibson, the number two ranked running back in the country, David Stone, Dylan Stewart, Colin Simmons. I mean, you talk about juice and you talk about star power on campus and Coral Gables. It's not to mention LJ McCray, Braylon Staley, Elijah Lofton. If you follow recruiting, these are all household names. I, I, even if it's a third of these guys uh, that end up pledging to the Hurricanes, I mean, this this had to be a productive week for Miami. How do you think it's going to shake out for them? Well, this is a relentless recruiting operation. And if you go to Inside the U right now on the 24-7 Sports Network, you got a picture of Mario Cristobal clapping his hands. You got a picture of Mario Cristobal flexing. A lot of good things happening at Miami right now. And you can read it right now for 60% off. But uh you know, uh, Blair Angulo and I, we crystal balled Elijah Lofton to, to Miami this morning, tight end, top 247 tight end out of Bishop Gorman, who uh, said that his visit was really good, loved it out there, loved hanging with the with the coaches and players and, and showed him how welcome he was at Miami and how, uh, you know, he, he said that the coaches are going to turn this thing around. That's what, that's what caught his eye the most. And this relentless approach on the recruiting trail, starting with Mario Cristobal all the way down to the assistant coaches to the off-field recruiting department. The result is Michigan being on the short list of just about every blue chipper uh, in the land. And and uh, I think Miami's a well-oiled recruiting machine right now. And when they bring these prospects to campus, they're very impressed. You know, Colin Simmons, five-star edge rusher uh, from Duncanville High in the Lone Star State. That was This was his second visit of the calendar year. He raved about his experience to our colleague, Gabby Aridia. I talked to his mom about it, and she said they got it. They had a whole plan for him. They listed out what it would look like for Colin Simmons from enrollment to the NFL draft and everything in between with Jason Taylor, uh, you know, the one that's kind of the the maestro of it all. And, and, and so they got complete trust in him. Now that's, this is going to, that's a tight recruiting battle. You got LSU in there, Texas, Oregon, Texas A&M, uh, some of the other contenders He's going to take an official visit to Alabama this weekend. But I think Miami has got some momentum here with Colin Simmons. Now I'm not rushing to 
predict Miami right now, but I think that they're on the uptick. I think Miami is very much on the uptick with Dylan Stewart, the five-star edge from Washington Friendship Collegiate Academy. And I feel like we've talked about this before, guys. Miami signed the best offensive line class in the country in 2023. Their ambition in this cycle is to sign the best defensive line class in 2024. And I would not be surprised if Dylan Stewart is part of that group. I think Miami has as much momentum as any program in the recruitment of Dylan Stewart right now. I think that uh, Georgia program that I liked earlier for Dylan Stewart, they're trending up for guys like Jordan Ross and, and Williams Winery. They're still in it for Dylan Stewart. Uh, but I, I think Miami's getting some momentum there. David Stone said it was his best official visit to date. He's been to Miami several times since the spring. They got a great shot at Aiden Breland, another five-star, a guy that you love uh, on film and our colleague Gabe Brooks loves. And, and, and so – uh, they got it's all the makings for a special D line class. Justin Scott coming in later this month. My crystal balls on on Miami for him, uh, but other guys just real quick running through it. Uh, Ellis Robinson's a longtime Georgia commit, our number one ranked corner in the land. He's been to Miami a couple times since committing to Georgia in February. I still think he ultimately sticks with Georgia, but man, Miami has certainly given him and his family a lot to think about there from coach Gidry to coach Adai to, uh, um, you know, just Miami being in the right direction under coach Cristobal's leadership, Jarrett Gibson, at one point considered a heavy Texas lean. I'm still rocking with the Longhorns there, but I think Texas uh, needs to have a good official visit at the end of the month. He canceled his official visit to Tennessee this week, and he's going to be out in L.A. with us, boys. He's going to be at the overtime OT7 event uh, hanging out, so uh, we'll get to see him out on the West Coast. But Miami uh, crushed that visit with him. He is in a three-and-a-half-hour traffic jam getting to campus, but his dad said it was worth it when he got there. They not only got to know the uh, Coach Beard better, but the whole Miami staff recruited him, and, and it resonated. Uh, tough read on Braylon Staley from South Carolina, top 247 receiver, but I think Miami's in the middle there. Ty Hilton is a very coveted in-state offensive line, Drew, as you know, in the Sunshine State. Uh, I feel like the big three are all pushing hard for him, and, and, and Miami certainly put their best foot forward with him this weekend. And then uh, Pruitt told me he's trying to land Keyshawn Flowers, who visited another linebacker from Virginia. Gabby reported that Miami's in the mix for some other linebackers. So uh, you'll definitely want to go over to the site and read his intel. But man, if Miami's going to finish with a top five recruiting class, which they have the runway to do that, oh, this weekend, they're going to have to have a high hit rate. And I feel like a lot of guys came out of that visit feeling Miami. Obviously, a lot of stars, right? You, you touched on on the big names, the guys ranked, you know, number one, two, or three at their position. But I, I want to highlight LJ McCray. Talked Good about point. him in this space before. Uh, I had a Power Five recruiting staffer text me this morning. This person is not at Miami. They said they think he is a top ten player in the country, and uh, I, I'm a big fan. Was that his spring game? So I think the fact that Miami got him in there, Steve, you mentioned just their. Uh, ambitions to sign the best defensive line class. Like I think he needs to be included in that group, has the measurables. Um, just finally, it's starting to turn on and on the field. So I think it was a big deal Miami got him. And then Elijah Lofton, the tight end out of Bishop Gorman, uh, there are some big fans behind the scenes in the 24-7 sports scouting department. And I know it's a bit of a, a layup player comp just because this other guy went to, to Bishop Gorman. But he does kind of resemble uh, Brevin Jordan in terms of what a, what he's able to do. And, I, and what I like about Elijah, I mean, he's got soft hands, but it's that it's that short area quickness. And, and you know, Miami has a, a strong track record at the tight end position. So 
I think they'd be very excited to get him in the, in the fold. Coop, I wanted to ask you about Cameron Pruitt. That's a guy in, I'll, I'll steal a term from you, your backyard. Uh, <laughs> I saw him at, yeah, right. I, I saw him at, I think, uh, Battle Miami a while back. Didn't really put the two and two together. Um, what are the, what is Miami getting in him? Well, 6'3", I think hovering around 200 pounds, and it's pretty interesting when you go to Miami's class. I mean, they already have a couple safeties in the boat, right? Isaiah Thomas from Clearwater. They also have Dylan Day from Southern Lab and, and Baton Rouge, and all these guys kind of do the same thing. But I can see Cameron Pruitt, a guy, like I said, already in that 190-pound to 200-pound range, kind of plays like a weak side linebacker, right, depending on the scheme a little bit, plays close to the line of scrimmage. A lot of really strong instincts and run support, and I think he's a downhill defender that's going to bring a physicality uh, to what Miami wants to do defensively. And I mentioned Dylan Day already, but that that's the same guy that plays with that same type of similar uh, temperament as well. So I like him, big physical defender. I think he's almost going to kind of fit into that hybrid roll-down safety role. Uh, I don't know how much they're going to ask him to do in terms of what they're going to ask him to do uh, in the back seven as a defender, but uh, a pretty interesting pickup. And I, I like that for them. I, I like the way Miami is setting up. Andrew brought up LJ McCray, who I think drew the more you and I study him as well with others. That's a guy that I think we're taking a liking to Steve, you know, I had a, a quick question for you. How, how big of a breath of fresh air has Jason Taylor been to Miami in that program? In terms of the recruiting chops, you know, Joe Salabea was a guy that I worked with, uh, a defensive line coach at Miami, uh, during our time together at Oregon. I, I, I've always felt uh, that Miami having two defensive line coaches was always going to be to his benefit, and that is not something that is, uh, you know, trying to disrespect him in any way. But I wonder, I mean, it, has this been – it feels like a little bit of a revelation. You mentioned that Mario Cristobal wants to sink his teeth into this defensive line unit in 2024, the same way he did offensive line in 2023. It sounds like Jason Taylor could really be the X factor at the end of the day for some of the best players in the country at that position. Yeah. And they got the two O-line coaches with him and Mirabelle. Now the two D-line D coaches there. Uh, look, Jason Taylor, former NFL defensive player of the year, NFL hall of famer, and then also NFL Walter Payton man of the year, which means this is a guy that checks every single box you're just looking for in a, in a, an athlete and human. And so he's a very nice guy. That's very engaging. Um, does a great job with, with prospects and families on campus. Um, and, and, and his track record as a player is, is certainly resonating with the guys on campus along with his personality. So I think, that's one of the big factors. When you talk to these guys that visited Miami, Jason Taylor gets mentioned as much as any assistant coach in the country for any program right now. And it's, he must like recruiting. He must love getting in there and building those relationships. And I think when you just look at the kind of man he's been over the course of his NFL career and after, it's easy to see why it's just a natural thing for him to build relationships with people and, uh, you know, be eloquent in, in his message. And then certainly it doesn't hurt that, at one point was the best defensive player in the world. Steve, the number one team in the country, the number one program in the country the last two years, that is the Georgia Bulldogs. And it's no surprise they're the number one team on the recruiting trail 
right now as well. And it was a big weekend for the two teams we started out with, Ohio State and Miami as well. Maybe Georgia didn't have as much star power, but a productive official visit weekend for them as they flip Chauncey Bowens, number 31 running back in the country from Florida on Saturday to strengthen their hold on the number one ranked class in the country. K.J. Bolden, Jordan Rod, Mike Matthews, Nate Frazier, Jordan Thomas, Fletcher Westfall, handful of other names in Athens over the weekend. Uh, your impression on uh, if, if Georgia was able to move the needle this week? Oh, absolutely. Again, they're chasing our number one ranked recruiting class in, in history, and this is another recruiting weekend that gets them closer to that Texas A&M class from a couple of years ago. Still love where they stand with K.J. Bolden after talking to Bolden and his father after the trip, the amount of in-depth discussion that they got to have with Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Fran Brown, along with players on the team like Javon Bullard and Malachi Starks. I think Georgia is exactly what he's looking for. He's going to finish out his visit string. Maybe Ohio State can flip that script, perhaps Bama, but I think Georgia's in fantastic position for K.J. Bolden. They they just flipped Chauncey Bowens. They obviously have the commitment already from Dwight Phillips, who's one of the fastest players in, in the country at the running back position, and he can do a lot of things. Uh, they can move him around the offense, but I also think that George is the one to beat for Nate Frazier, the top two, four, seven running back out of Matter Day um, that uh, took an unofficial this weekend. If I was making a prediction today for Nate Frazier, I would pick the Georgia Bulldogs. I did make a prediction for Georgia yesterday. It was for Jordan Thomas. You guys have him ranked in the top 100 out of Don Bosco Prep in Ramsey, New Jersey. He's super high on Georgia's board. Fran Brown, Trey Scott have put Georgia in great position for, for Jordan Thomas. I think he's one of their favorite defensive linemen this cycle. And as it stands right now, I think they'll ultimately get their man. I said earlier, I think they're trending up for Jordan Ross. I talked to some people that spent time with Jordan Ross over the weekend. I think they may lead for Jordan Ross right now, which is interesting because there was a time where I thought they led for Dylan Stewart. Uh, Williams Winery was there last weekend and they're all in on Winery. And I think that they showed Williams Winery that this is a place that he could be very successful. So I'm not ruling them out for our number one ranked defensive lineman. But Jordan Ross is a guy that is thinking very strongly about Georgia now, where there was a time where I really like Tennessee and Florida's position better than Georgia. I don't necessarily feel that way today. Uh, for for Jordan Ross, you know Fletcher Westfall is an offensive lineman uh, that's been to campus like six times. I think that they're in a in a really good spot for him. And then Mike Matthews, you know, is a five star receiver from from in state that Brian McClendon and, and company. Uh, are, are really pushing hard for Coach Kirby. Uh, David Cooper were some of the people that Matthews's mom, Regina, mentioned uh, uh, as part of a great visit, the detail-oriented and passionate pursuit of excellence for another championship is how Regina Matthews described what Georgia is right now. Uh, and uh, um, through several presentations that they had, um, the great plan Mike Bobo has for Mike, I think that Georgia – uh, made an impression. You know, they were one that I thought was trailing for Mike Matthews coming in too with Clemson, USC, Tennessee, some of the other uh, favorites for, for Mike Matthews. So uh, I think Georgia um, won crystal ball in already from the weekend, perhaps some more down the road. But man, guys, if they can add Nate Frazier to to um, Phillips and, and Chauncey Bones, that's, that's a heck of an RB haul. Huh? Yeah, it is. And the Bowens one, I mean, prying a kid away right from and you're one of your biggest rivals uh, in the University of Florida. Yeah, I like that possibility of the combination of those three. I think Bowens is your big power back, right? Big frame guy. I mean, you know, he's really muscular. Frazier, 
I think is kind of someone that can do a little bit of everything. And then Dwight Phillips is, is the home run hitter. Obviously he's got the, the track speed. So just how uh, Georgia has weaponized the tight end room with all those different, you know, skill sets. It seems like they're almost doing the same thing at running back. If you even go back to what they signed last cycle as well. I mean, they just keep reloading at these key positions. I'm a huge fan of, of Nate Frazier. I mean, you talk about one of the guys that I feel like is, you know, West Coast, modern day, and one of those guys, I mean, he is, he's part of a, a running back by committee group out there in, in California, but I think one of the most dynamic players that we don't talk about that's included in the top 247, I think a guy that fits the physical style of play that Georgia wants to play with as well. I think I referred to Jordan Ross as Jordan Rod earlier, so I apologize for that. Still working through some uh, early wink weak kinks there uh like you were ron burgundy yeah that's literally what i was thinking anything you put on there i'm gonna read it i think i think steve said michigan for miami at some point (laughs) i was trying to throw a patagna flag but i it happens it happens happens. we're going to take a quick break you're listening to the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast you can now relive the best moments of the uefa champions league 24 7 the UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes. We're we're up against the clock here, but Steve, another another team that is continuing to chip away and number three ranked class. They were in great shape last year as well. Notre Dame right now, and they are in a good spot. Uh, per Steve Wolfong with Bradley Shaw, the number five linebacker in the country. And you want to talk about backyards, right? This one is in my backyard out of Hoover High School. I put this on here because this fires me up, right? Like this is one of the guys that Notre Dame usually doesn't get. So I'm like, Steve, please unload the clip on this. Well, he talked about Notre Dame having basically like three linebacker coaches on staff. And obviously that starts with Marcus Freeman, the head coach, but you know, had, had, he just said everything about the program. It's different. What stands out about them is the high level of education and, and the competitive football and, and uh, the experience that they have coaching linebackers and said it's up there for sure. This is a guy Notre Dame covets number three class in the country right now, um, right on the heels of Michigan there a little bit um, as they kind of battle for the, for that two slot there. Um, but uh, this is a Notre Dame kid and uh you know, he's not 100% sure what he's got going on moving forward. I know Georgia's got an official visit on the books. Auburn's in there a little bit, but Notre Dame definitely has the momentum for him. Elijah Rushing had a really good visit. Uh, people around there uh, saying still maybe feeling Oregon for Elijah Rushing. And then Carter Nelson was on campus. We know that Georgia is one of the front runners for one of your guys' favorite tight ends in the country, our number two player at the position. Um, Penn State and Nebraska have officials coming up for for Carter, but I think he had a great time at Notre Dame, fits in. Uh, his parents are coaches and athletes, and I think they feel the tradition and in the, in the, in the mystique and the magic around Notre Dame. So uh, we'll see what that visit did for, for the Irish. Also, they have the, the great tight end tradition. So 
Um, those were, were were some of the big visitors for, for Notre Dame this weekend um, as they try and put the finishing touches here on a class. They'd also love to land Oliver Ma- Miles from El Campo who visited this weekend, but I don't have a great read on that one right now, boys. I said this last year when it when it came to Notre Dame, and I, I, I took a lot of flack, and I think there was a lack of context, but I said it, so I'm going to stand by it. But I said the end result of Notre Dame's class last year really wasn't that different from what I felt Brian Kelly was able to produce and sign at Notre Dame, the end result. That being said, if you add players like Keon Keeley, Dante Moore, and Peyton Bowen, into that class in 2023, it's a, it's a completely different dexterity of how you look at Notre Dame in 2023. Well, the and what I what I what I said to that to to add on to it. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Notre Dame has to get back in that batter's box, right? And to me, you talk about this weekend. You know, Bradley Shaw is one of our favorite linebackers in the class. Andrew and I have discussed him at length. He is a guy from a football intelligence and an instinct standpoint that I, I believe fits Notre Dame. Elijah Rushing is one of those guys from the state of Arizona. They went out. They had Benjamin Morrison. He's a freshman All-American. Swinging on him. Carter Nelson, a guy that shot up our board after they had Michael Mayer in, in the production that he had. Like This is the formula for Notre Dame to get over that proverbial hump when it comes to the college football playoff. I guess what I'm saying – it's easy to curl up in the fetal position after you go take some hacks at some of the biggest names in college football and it doesn't work out your way. It's harder to get back in the batter's box, take those swings, knowing that the same thing could happen the next year, but you still got to do what you got to do. You got to put your hard hat on and you got to go to work. So I got I got a lot of respect for Marcus Freeman and the job that Notre Dame's doing right now. Well, when Marcus Freeman first got there as the defensive coordinator – he kind of changed the philosophy and tone around that rec- football, around the Goog, their their football facility. About hey, we're gonna we're we're Notre Dame. We're gonna go after the best players in the country, and, and I think that year in and year out, that's that's the mo with him leading the charge as a very engaging head coach recruiter. I would say the the difference that I've noticed in Notre Dame recruiting under Coach Freeman from Coach Kelly. Coach Kelly obviously did a fantastic job at Notre Dame, two playoffs, another national title game, several other New Year's six games. He's Notre Dame's all-time winning coach. He's at LSU now, and LSU's in an exciting position. Uh, I like the way Notre Dame's recruited the quarterback position comparatively. I think that Notre Dame left some meat on the bone that maybe helps them win an extra game or two at the end of some of those awesome seasons that they had under Brian Kelly, because they just did a piss poor job of recruiting quarterback for the most part and not being as talented as the teams that they were playing in the playoff at that position. And I think Marcus Freeman has come in. They get Sam Hartman out of the portal. They flip a good one in Kenny Minchie. They have CJ Carr committed who they beat Michigan on. Um, and, and so I think that, um, all of a sudden Notre Dame's quarterback room is in in really exciting shape. Now on the flip side of that, Marcus Freeman's in his second year as a coach. I don't know how many years Brian Kelly has coached. He's obviously a great coach. He maximizes his roster year in and year out. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Marcus Freeman in that arena, which is the most important arena. And Notre Dame had some really good flashes in year one, but they had some tough times in year one, which comes with the territory. But uh, year two, um, we'll see what happens with them on the field. But I just – the, I think Notre Dame is recruiting well uh, in the quarterback position really stands out to me. Another thing I want to bring up there, 64%, I believe, was the number in Notre Dame in the blue chip ratio that Bud Elliott put out last week. And 
I think that's imperative. I think that number was a little bit higher than what I thought. Marcus Freeman obviously did a really good job in year one in terms of the talent acquisition. Steve, you brought up the player development. I don't want to say that's to be determined. Like you said, they had some really good flashes in year one. So Notre Dame certainly a team to watch heading into year two of the Freeman era. Another team that's had a lot of success over the last two years and a lot of success in the Jim Harbaugh era when it comes to player development, that is Michigan. And right now, we knew that this was kind of, I don't want to say a make it or break it year, but this was a year that Michigan had to get back on the right track when it came to recruiting. And right now, Steve, they're in a great spot. They picked up a, a crystal ball from you uh, to Bennett Warren uh, to eventually join Michigan's number two ranked class. They also secured a commitment from former Notre Dame commit. You got to help me out with this name, uh, Steve, before I butcher it. Owen Waffle. 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 All right, so it, it, it sounds exactly how it looks, right? Yeah. Or we had a little hesitation there. I didn't know if I was, you know, <laughs> they he's, on the all, he's on the all-name team. We need to start coming up with that every year for the cycle, all-name we'll team. A, we'll get a Google spreadsheet ready. And yeah, then... Owen Waffle, 6'2", 290, a twitchy player that can be disruptive in the backfield, very strong at the point of attack, plays through contact, Michigan-type guy there. All right, two, two other five stars as well. Ryan Wingo, number two receiver in the country from an area that Michigan has has done well in, respectively. Justin Scott as well, number four defensive lineman. Uh, also, Jordan Johnson, uh, Rebel, number 16 safety in the country. Boo Carter, another guy that we really, really like from Tennessee. So, Steve, uh, maybe not as many names, but when you look at the quality of the visitors that Michigan had on campus – these are a lot of guys that you would get excited about if they end up in the maize and blue. Yeah. Michigan already putting together one of the nation's top offensive line classes um, headlined by our guy, Andrew Sprague. But if they can add Bennett Warren there, that's two potentially massive athletic offensive tackles that can bend and move um, two time defending Joe Moore award champs. Obviously they should recruit the position at a high level and, and these are the crystal ball picks that are easy to make. Bennett said that Michigan's his leader, so I logged the pick. I will see what happens in future visits and <laughs> if anyone can change that. But uh, like Michigan there, I've had my crystal ball on Tennessee for a long time for Boot Carter, but um, and, and it looked like maybe Colorado was a threat to change that. But I think Michigan, another great visit uh, to Ann Arbor. Man, he knows the players so well at Michigan, starting with Junior Colson and Will Johnson, but to the recruits like Jacob Odin, I think he really feels like he fits in there. Michigan's defense, the pro style that they play in, uh, going from uh, Coach McDonald to, to Coach Minter was a seamless transition. Though, the, the, you know, I know we've talked about Coach Hebert on here, the strength coach who always gets, he gets as much mention, he gets almost as many mentions as Brian Hartline and Jason Taylor get. He's like Michigan's secret weapon uh, on the trail. But those, the, the last two D coordinator hires that Harbaugh's made were grand slams um, to, keep that defense playing at the level that they're well first to elevate it to that level and then to keep it keep it going was massive and and it's resonating with top targets now you know um elias rudolph's a a, a guy from deerfield andrew uh, who's an ohio native that there's some people that think he's going to end up at michigan they're battling Domin they're battling wisconsin and and luke fickle and them for dominic nichols but really good visit there um 
Aaron Scott's visiting next weekend. He just visited Oregon, um, but Michigan's got a great chance to land Aaron Scott and scheme, man, uh, scheme, tradition, winning two straight Big Ten titles, being in two straight college football playoffs has put Michigan in excellent position for some top targets here at the end. I think that they still got a ways to go with Justin Scott and Ryan Wingo. I think, again, I think Justin Scott's more likely to end up at Miami or Georgia with Notre Dame trying to change that. I may be wrong, guys. I mean, uh, you know, maybe Justin Scott will go to Notre Dame. He's going to try and visit there again in July and come back for his official for the Ohio State game. Uh, but I just, for whatever reason, like Miami and Georgia's position a little better right now. And then Ryan Wingo. I think Tennessee's picking steam up again. I know he loved his official to to Georgia, and he's got some trips coming up to Missouri and Texas. The Aggies are in there. Oregon, I I think he'll take over five official visits. So long way to go with Ryan Wingo. But Michigan, they got a good chance at David Polly Polly. Did I say that right? Um, who who visited this weekend? Jordan Johnson Rebel said it, it it set the tone, and they still got a good chance to land Micah Capana. I think this is one of their favorite players that's still out there. They brought him in this weekend. Um, he was not there with his parents. He was there with his uncle and his cousin. So um, Michigan connecting with his dad since the visit, and we'll see how that goes. They would love to add the Bishop Gorman uh, standout to uh, Jordan Marshall, who's already in the fold. To me, Michigan gains the most ground on the recruiting trail. Like I, I, I love where they are from a culture standpoint right now with Jim Harbaugh. I love where they are from a player development standpoint. You talked about the impact in terms of strength conditioning as well. I mean, that's that should be noted, right? They do a really great job, and they get the best of what they have. That being said, once you get in that arena in the college football playoffs, you're playing a different game there. I think Michigan, 54%, right? And Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio. And like I said, I don't want this to be black and white. There's outliers every year. TCU was certainly in the national championship game last year, but it goes to show the job that Michigan does in the player development realm. So if they can recruit at a top five, even a top 10 pace every year. I think Michigan's going to be dangerous, not only a contender in the college football playoff, but can contend for a national championship. One of those other teams that would like to get back to that arena, that is Alabama and the Crimson Tide, making some waves with Daniel Calhoun, the number four offensive tackle in the country, per Steve Wilfong. Also, uh, Alabama, number 16 class right now. So they're starting to make a move. Jordan Seaton, one of those names, a guy that we really liked, Rose in the last edition of the 24-7 sports uh, uh, rankings as well. And then Arian Hampton, Amari Jefferson, who's a name that keeps coming up out of Tennessee. Utah commit Isaiah Fega. Number 89 defensive line. We'll have to go back, ask Blair and Gulo if we got the pronunciation right on that one. But Alabama looks like they're starting to get going. Drew always likes to talk about taking the car out of the garage and revving the engine a little bit. Seems like Alabama is starting to get into that mode. Alabama's number one in my favorite statistic, boys, which is average ranking per commit, which means they have pound for pound the number one ranked class in the country. So the guys that they have in the fold we think are really good. And I think that the five guys that you named they could all end up at Alabama if Bama's pushing for all five of them. You know, Daniel Calhoun uh, said that Alabama has the edge right now coming out of his trip. Now he's got up, upcoming officials to to Georgia and Tennessee. So we'll see. Or, or Texas and Tennessee. He's already took one to Georgia. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Aaron Hampton is going to decide uh, in early July between Texas and Alabama. There's been times where Alabama's been – the clear leader from him, uh, you know, I think they're looking good for the in-state flip there. 
Um, and, and so they also hosted Mello Jones, Georgia commit this weekend, who had a nice time. I think he's going to be tough, tough to flip. But uh, Jordan Seaton loved it. I think that Alabama is the tone setting school in that one. There was a time where I thought it was Ohio State, and then there was a time where I liked Georgia. So it evolves sometimes. I think it's evolving towards Bama. And if they're pushing, you know, I think it, they could be tough to beat as he continues through his process. He's been there a couple times this calendar year, had a great official visit. And so we'll see what happens. That's a young man that's really transformed his body. Hunter, you saw him in his spring game. He's kind of, he's uh, been on a hell of a regiment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was going to say, when I talked to him after that spring scrimmage, I got an Alabama vibe from him and I wasn't even asking about Alabama. So I, I got that. And I, we, you brought up Michigan as the top or one of the top offensive line classes in the country, you know, Miami last year. I think if Alabama is able to get Seton in the boat and then Daniel Calhoun, who I didn't even know this until this morning, you know, his father went to Alabama. I think he might have played for a little bit at Alabama. He yeah, had two brothers. Yeah. He had two, two other brothers that played college football. I mean, I, I just think given what we know about this offensive line class, like those are two – I mean, they're they're grabbing two of the top big bodies out there in terms of Calhoun. I actually just kind of studied him this morning. You know, he is a, a mammoth of a human, right? And I, I think he is destined to play in the SEC, um, a guy that you can uh, win at the point of attack. And, and then you pair him with Joseph Ionetta who they took as a center last weekend, or I should say earlier this month. I mean, that, that O-line group is, is shaping up well for Eric Wolford, who came over from Kentucky, and, and and he can recruit. I don't think he gets enough credit as an offensive line recruiter. Calhoun's dad uh, said that Alabama's trying to get back to the old smash-mouth Alabama team they were uh, under new offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, and that players on campus were just wild by his son's size at like six seven three. 150 pounds but someone's got him with 37 inch arms i don't even know if that's possible alabama in good shape for william sanders an in-state kid they they offered in camp at the position they're on the short list for casey pose one of the most coveted offensive linemen from the lone star state that's making the rounds was just at texas tech this weekend after hitting clemson and georgia already so um it'll be interesting to see all right, guys, that's going to do it for Director of Recruiting Steve Wolfong and Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. I'm Cooper Pizzaglia. Remember to follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That is 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. And for the 24-7 Sports team here, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you tomorrow. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.